Welcome to One Penny at a Time. I'm your host, Harris Elliott. And today's episode is probably the most excited I'm ever going to be in doing this podcast. Today I have with me, as a guest on the show, it's somebody who I've really looked up to in the dividend and the finance space, a personal mentor of mine, and honestly, probably one of my favorite YouTubers. We have Mr. Ryan Williams in the house tonight. What's going on, man? How you doing? I'm doing great. It's a very gloomy, rainy Monday here today, but you know what? I'm excited that we get to have a chat here and talk some dividend stocks and you know get to talk overall, man. Um, thank, thank you so much for joining in here, and, and I'm excited for this because I'll never forget the first day I released this podcast, I just posted it on my Instagram story, and you saw it, and you gave me a bunch of feedback, and we went from getting feedback to now being able to work together. Yeah, man. it's It's been super cool being able to to build this rapport with you. I mean, just as far as your podcast goes, I know I've said this before, but mm-hmm. I'm I'm so happy that you started doing this. I I love to see more people talking about dividend, well, investing number one, but more specifically dividend stocks because I think it's um, you know, it might not be the the sexiest way to invest, it's not the quickest way to to uh build wealth, but for a lot of people it's totally feasible and it's pretty straightforward and, you know, a lot of fun actually. No, 100%. And, you know, as as you start getting more into it, it gets more exciting. I mean, if you would have asked me like two or three years ago, I would never want to voluntarily open an Excel spreadsheet. But now it's like I get excited to open my spreadsheet and change the numbers and look at the graphs, and look at the charts. So I guess that's how we evolve as people, right? <laughs> Dude, I exactly. I I feel the same way about like reading financial statements. I never thought prior to getting into this that I would willingly sit down and read an income statement or look at a balance sheet or furthermore, even take the time to learn how to do that stuff because I don't know about you, but prior to getting involved with investing, I like I have zero background in this stuff. I did not know anything about it. So it's been an interesting journey so far, but yeah, like you said, I guess that's just sometimes how you evolve as a person. No, 100%. So obviously you're saying that finance is in your background. So you're telling me you're not a hedge fund manager? No, not in this life. In a previous life I may have been, but um, <laughs> no, man, just a regular dude trying to uh, create that cash flow. I understand that. So tell me about yourself. What's your career background? What do you currently do? Well, actually full time right now, I'm, I'm, I'm technically just creating content, man. I'm just doing YouTube and and um, I just started a, an email newsletter, built a website out. So all that stuff, I'm kind of just doing full-time for now. I don't know how sustainable it'll be. This is like month two of me doing that. But um, yeah, let's see how it goes, man. In the meantime, it's been a lot of fun, and I really hope I can keep it up because it's just, like I said, it's been a lot of fun. Prior to this, though, I was in kind of similar stuff. My my day job was in digital marketing, but um, doing a lot of social media stuff. But yeah, like I said last couple months I've been doing this content stuff full time where I talk about dividend stocks and my investing journey. And yeah, I hope to keep it up. Wow. I actually did not know you actually gone full time on, on the content creation. Congrats on that, man. I mean, that's like everybody's dream as far as like people who do this. So when you go to like a fancy dinner, to a fancy dinner and you, you speak to people you don't know, and they're probably older, like, what do you do for a living? Are you saying I'm a YouTuber? Well, I actually haven't, I don't know. I haven't had to have any of those conversations yet. Like the only people who I think really know that I'm doing this full time would be just my family and um, 
maybe like couple friends. But outside of that, I haven't really talked to anyone about what I've been doing. So I'm interested to see how that, what that looks like. And like I said, I don't, I don't even know if this is going to be sustainable. It's just kind of circumstances led me to, you know, led me here to do this full time for now. And I'm telling myself, I, I technically started doing this full time back in September. So this is month, I guess going into month three now. Yeah. And so I just told myself, you know what, I'm going to give it a shot these next few months, see how it goes, see where I'm at by the end of the year. And it seems like the income I'm able to generate from doing it. If, if that seems sustainable, then I'll keep going. But if not, which this is very cool, which if not, then it's like at most I'll have to just get like probably a a part-time job somewhere. And it's like, man, that's, you know, if that's as bad as it's going to get for the rest of my life, I think that's pretty cool. No, I mean, that's amazing, man. And, and that's just the power of, you know, just following your passions and just doing what you love. Obviously, I know the portfolio is a big thing for you and you're building that over time, but you're literally doing what you love, which is talking about investing, talking to people in the community, sharing your story. And that's some really powerful stuff for that, man. And and that's really, really, really awesome. So I wanted to ask you this. I know I've been, I've been following you probably close to two years now at this point. I got to make a joke here about this and you can kind of elaborate on it. I know you've always talked about when growing up, your parents, instead of giving you a new PlayStation or a new Xbox, they would throw money into your custodial investing account. You got to break that down for us. Yeah. So that's like one of the, that's been one of the running jokes in my family for a couple decades now, maybe a decade and a half. So when I was probably 11 or 12, somewhere in that range, um, my parents created a custodian account, which for those of you who don't know, is basically, um, an investment account that's managed by your, you know, your parent or guardian, it's for kids. And so anyway, they created a custodian account for myself and my other siblings. And from then on out, like from the time I was 11 or 12 or however, however old I was every Christmas birthday, any time there was a gift that was, that needed to be given. Like it wasn't like Harris said, it wasn't any of the, um, or like you said, Harris, sorry, talking in third person. It <laughs> it wasn't like a normal gift that maybe a kid might want, like you said, an Xbox or, you know, whatever it was at the time. Um, no, it was money to, to invest in Charles Schwab. And so, you know, <laughs> it, getting that as a kid, it's like, obviously it's not something you're super, super stoked about. You know, there's other things on your mind besides, besides buying stocks. But in those instances, like when we would kind of Raz my parents about it. They would say, you know, you're going to, you're going to thank us someday. Like, you're going to be glad that we did this someday. It might not be for another 10 years or so, but like, you are, you're going to be so glad that you have this. And sure enough, like it didn't hit me till I was maybe 25 or 26, really, um, that I understood like, dang, this is actually pretty cool. And what made that difference for me and what, when it finally clicked and that light bulb turned on, I think really was, just being introduced to dividend investing, um, just through YouTube, I think is really how I learned about it. But um, yeah, once I was introduced to dividend investing and I understood kind of how it worked, I, you know, you can kind of start to see the potential of where it could be, maybe not a year or two years down the road. But man, if I do this thing for five years, 10 years, 20, 30 years, this could grow into something it will grow. Actually, it's not an, it, it really an if it's a, when it will grow into something totally life-changing. And it's like, man, I, that could get me out of, uh, having to work and, you know, I'll have more time to do the things I enjoy. And so it's like, man, yeah, I'm all in on that. 
No, I understand that. Let me ask you some follow-up questions there. So um, now, as you're almost 30, um, when you get the birthday Christmas money to go to your custodial account, are you now, I'm sure you're you're now like, yes, please. Yeah. In fact, I've told like, (laughs) I've told like the rest of my family, it's like, just, I don't, I don't need clothes. I don't need this, that, or the other, just, you know, just money to invest. That's really all I want. These days, it's honestly, it's that it's books or it's like gift cards to restaurants like Chipotle or in an out burger or whatever. I'm an, I'm very easy to please as you can tell. It doesn't take much. Yeah. Just just some cheeseburgers, a good book and some some dividend paychecks. Don't blame you there. So <laughs> now when you when you whenever you talk to your parents about obviously they know that you're doing, you know, your dividend investing journey through YouTube, do they always come back and say I told you so? Not really. I I honestly don't even know how much they watch my videos. I would imagine it's not much. Mm-hmm. But whenever we talk about it, um, they're interested. They're just interested in how it works because I don't really think they understand that, that – I don't know that they quite comprehend like what I'm what I'm doing on YouTube. Right? I don't know if, if it completely makes sense like talking about this mm-hmm. stuff. Um, I mean I, I think there's worse things they think I could be getting into. So whatever. Um but yeah, I don't know. I actually, I think I went off on a little tangent. I don't even remember what your question was. No, it's good. Just kind of, kind of bringing it up there. How your parents are like, see, I told you we would be doing giving you birthday money into this account when you were eleven was totally worth it. Mm-hmm. Oh no, uh, yeah, sorry, man. I definitely went off the <laughs> left good. field there. But um, no, these days I think they're just, I think they're happy that I'm so into it. You know, um, it's not really an "I told you so" kind of thing, but. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's more so like a, well, good. Like, I'm glad you, I'm glad you figured it out. <laughs> so No, for sure. So now let's go. Now we're in our twenties here. Um, you discover dividend investing. Talk to me about in, when you started doing this, but I don't know if you started this exactly when you started making content or you started watching and then got inspired to do some content. Tell me about some channels or some people that influenced you and to kind of get into the space. Yeah. So prior to being specifically into dividend investing, I was doing, you know, I was kind of dabbling into some other things and anything that I had learned about investing at that time had come from YouTube. That includes like what I knew about dividend investing. Mm-hmm. Um, so I definitely, I definitely learned about it and watched content on it before I started doing it. And once I started doing it, it probably took me a year somewhere between eight months to a year before I decided to start making content around it. And I was inspired to do so from watching just the channels that I learned from. And these would be guys like PPC Ian, who's one of the OGs, for sure one of the OGs in the dividend investing community. I watched a lot of the Dream Green Show, which is a channel that have you heard of the Dream Green Show, Harris, actually? Yes, yes, I have. He's actually one of the first channels I found where I kind of got in that groove. Um, yeah. Yes. Um a Zeke, right? Yeah, exactly, man. And I'm always surprised. Like whenever I bring up the Dream Green Show, I'm surprised that more people haven't heard of his channel. But yeah, gotta check out Zeke at the Dream Green Show. He's a, yeah. he seems like a good dude, and he he breaks it down super um, simple very, and straightforward. Very so, easy. And what's yeah, crazy so, is, is yeah, what's crazy is is that you're saying that a lot of people don't know him. He has a very big YouTube following, which is kind of crazy. That a lot of people have not heard about him. I know, man. He's got like over two hundred thousand subscribers, I think. Um, mm-hmm. 
and yeah, I'm always surprised to hear more people don't watch the Dream Green show, but he was someone I I definitely looked up to a lot and learned a lot from, and I still watch a lot of his videos. Um, another channel is Andre Jick. He's I'm sure you know who yeah. he is. He's of course the, for, the for those of you who don't. Yeah, he's one of the more definitely one of the more popular finance YouTubers, and he's since evolved from this, but he used to be talk strictly about dividend investing. So I, I picked up a lot of stuff from him, Graham Stefan a little bit here and there. Um, and then I can't leave out my, my main man, Russ Knopf, AKA Dapper Dividends. I, before I started making content, I watched a lot of, a lot of his videos and learned a lot from, from him. And I know you've had him here on your podcast. We've obviously done content together, both him and I, and the three of us together. And, uh, it's cool to be able to and I think you were kind of talking about this earlier. It's cool to be able to now be friends with these people that you initially looked up to and learned a lot from. So it's it's kind of funny how it comes full circle like that. No, it definitely does. And um, definitely we have a lot of similarities there um, as far as like people that we listen to. Obviously, Russ, I found out way later on. But to me, the very first channel that I it clicked for me was watching PPC Ian. And I'll never forget this during the pandemic. Um, I'm literally laying on my couch having a beer and he would do like these hour long videos. Like, you know, I'm just going to listen to this. And <laughs> he, he explains it to a five-year-old and it made sense to me. And like, literally all I can think about is always like dividend investing for everyone. And I, yeah. you know, I think we, a lot of us owe PPC Ian um, a lot of props for that. Cause he really does. He's like I said, he's one of the OGs. I know, man. He used to live, so I'm originally from Sacramento, California, mm -hmm. and he used to live in the Bay Area, which was maybe like an hour and a half from me. And he'd do these, not very often, but he would do these in-person meetups at a Starbucks that was in my girlfriend's hometown. And mm -hmm. I always wanted to go and be a part of that and meet PPC Ian and hang out and talk dividend stocks. But he ended up moving to Boise before I got the chance. So I was kind of bummed about that. Yeah, no. I mean, that would have been cool, man. And I mean, I could probably understand moving out of California. Obviously, I know that cost of living skyrocketed. So obviously going to, you know, now you're in Las Vegas where, mm -hmm. you know, definitely never a dull moment in Vegas now. And I'm sure like every weekend's a new adventure with, with how much there's so much to do in Vegas. It can be, man, but you got to be careful because a lot of that stuff, I mean, you know this, you, you yeah. recently came to Vegas. A lot mm -hmm. of the stuff to do in Vegas requires spending money. And mm -hmm. just to be completely frank in the position... I'm in trying to make things work with this full time and make it sustainable. You know, I want to minimize my overhead and, and my expenses. And so a lot of that discretionary stuff, you know, here and there, we'll go out and do fun stuff. Like we went and got coffee yesterday and walked around some thrift stores and antique shops. But, you know, going out to the nice Vegas restaurants or going all going to all these cool different bars and clubs and and drinking cocktails, spending money on that hasn't quite happened yet. <laughs> you know, here and there a little bit for sure. But um, there is still so much left to uncover here, but a lot of it requires money, which in time will come. Just got to keep working. No, 100%. So when you started doing your dividend investing, I know a big thing, obviously now, like you're doing all this technical analysis, you're doing your deep diving and research, you're figuring out if this company points their finger to the left, their profit increases 5%. When you started off though, I know generally a big thing when people start like watching multiple YouTubers they kind of like to mirror a lot of the holdings. Did you ever experience that when you first started off getting really into it? Where like everybody in the, the community, for example, would talk about realty income. And that's, if I've never watched YouTube, I don't think I probably would have ever found that unless I talked to somebody who knew about finance. 
Yeah, man, that absolutely happened. Realty income was actually one of those examples um, for me. I When I first started dividend investing, it was probably like the Dream Green Show or one of those channels was talking about realty income and just how it's such a good income stock. And without giving it a second thought, I was like, okay, he's got it. So I should probably have this in my portfolio too. <laughs> and there's been a couple other instances where that's happened, um, you know, or that happened when I first started. In some cases, it worked out, you know, I think Coca-Cola was another one of those examples. And then in some other cases, it didn't work out for me and I ended up selling, um, which is fine. I just think, Mm -hmm. I think you got to start somewhere really. And, um, you know, you can kind of figure it out as you go. The good thing I think is when you first start, you're not playing with too, too much money. So it's like, if you lose 20 bucks here, buy a share of this for a hundred bucks that maybe you shouldn't have, or it ends up not working out. It's like... You know, in the grand scheme of things, it's, it's, you'll be fine. You'll survive that. Yeah. It's a lesson learned. And right at one point, I think I've heard you talk about this on like when you do like your portfolio updates or your dividend updates, wasn't like uh, realty income once the highest position in the portfolio for you? Yeah, man, it was. So, like I was saying, when I first started, I heard about realty income, added it to the portfolio, and just dumped so much money into it. And I think at one point, Harris, it was like, maybe 12 or 13% of my total portfolio. It's since come down a lot. It's maybe 6% or maybe 7% now, which is still Mm -hmm. maybe a little bit high, Mm -hmm. but it's definitely, you know, trending in the right direction. But yeah, man, I, I loaded the boat on realty income, which, you know, like I said, this is one of those examples where even though I didn't do research into the company, it ended up working out because like historically, since I started with this stuff, realty income's been not only one of my bigger income generators, but it's in terms of just capital appreciation, share price appreciation, it's, it's performed consistently. Um, it's consistently performed towards the top out of all these stocks in my portfolio. So, you know, it's worked out so far, but it's, it's definitely not a strategy I would recommend for the long term. but you got to start somewhere. That's 100%. And luckily for you, it was with a realty income and like a Coca-Cola where, you know, investing in like a Coca-Cola or a Pepsi, there really isn't much room to go wrong, to be honest. So at least luckily you picked, you know, the you know blue chip, you know, pretty big name worldwide brand. So at least with that, you know, that was a good thing there. Do you have an example of maybe something that didn't work out? Oh, yeah, absolutely. I do. So and it's not even they're not even dividend stocks. This was this was probably like right around the time when I was trying to figure out what really what style of investing do i want to do because sure you can you can buy some dividend stocks you can buy some growth stocks but um me personally i like i just like being able to focus on one thing and so prior to really committing to dividend stocks i was also influenced pretty heavily by jeremy from financial education not that that's entirely a bad thing because i think he's a good dude and i've enjoyed watching his content over the years but just from watching his videos and do you know you know who he is, right, Harris? I actually don't. Okay, so uh, Jeremy Lefave, I think, is his last name. Mm-hmm. Um, but he has a YouTube channel called Financial Education, and he um, he used to have. This is where you maybe have heard of him or might know him from. He used to be on a podcast with Graham Stephan, Andre Jick, and Meet Kevin called Millennial Money. Okay, um, so they, yes, I've the, heard of that. That foursome, yeah, that foursome at one point was kind of a tight knit group. Like they were all pretty good friends and we're doing this thing together. But mm-hmm. anyway, um, Jeremy's channel, I used to watch that and he would rec- he would buy and recommend 
basically talk incessantly about stocks like Beyond Meat. Um, Dropbox was another one. Mm-hmm. I don't know if this was his doing or mine, but Virgin Galactic. So these are all, th- uh, and then also one of the ARK ETFs, Kathy Woods ETFs. Oh, um, God. Yeah. And so these are some examples of stocks that I bought that really didn't work out. I think I lost money on, I think I lost money on the ARK ETF. I think I lost money on Beyond Meat. I did make money on Dropbox and um, Virgin Galactic though, which is good. But still, I consider those an L because they they definitely were not in line with my main strategy, which is now dividend investing and creating cash flow and investing for you know share price growth. I do think that's important, but also more primarily, I think for income and that cash flow. And you know, I did emerge somewhat unscathed from a couple of those positions that didn't that I consider not to have worked out. Mm-hmm. But um. Yeah, I, I did take a little bit of a monetary loss with some of those. But still, dude, it's just all part of the learning experience. That's 100% right. And um, I can relate this to myself, where when I started the portfolio, I had it, I think, at 28 holdings. And like my rule is 30 is like the cap I'm going to do whenever that is. Yeah. But when I started off at 28, I started noticing it's like, okay, I still love a lot of these companies, but I want to consolidate to keep it like at a, right now I have it at 21 and what I ended up doing, and I know it's something a little bit different, but like, obviously um, I had Coke as individual. I had Procter and Gamble as individual. I didn't have Pepsi in there, but obviously I had exposure from Pepsi from like SCHD and there was another one that I had it in, but I love the companies, but it's like to spread money to all three of them individually was making it tough for me to really build up positions. So then I found one of the spider ETFs where I think that in the top 10 of it, uh, 15% was Procter, 15% was Pepsi, 15% was Coke, but then 10% of that was Costco, which was another one that I had individually. I love their business, but you know, to build up one share of Costco is almost impossible. It takes a long time. So to me, it's like, you know what, why don't I just consolidate this into one ETF and just put money and it goes to all of it into one. So that was a strategy that I did, but I know a lot of people like rather just have them individual. Yeah. And man, this is just, this is just one of those things where, where it comes down to preference, right? I mean, Mm -hmm. there's some people out there who don't want to worry about picking stocks or doing the analysis and they'll go the ETF route strictly, which I think is great. Like no, I think you need to know um, how involved you want to be. I think that's important to do in this. Um, but then on the other hand, there's there's people like myself and I believe yourself who think, mm-hmm. you know, half the fun is is digging through the weeds and looking through those companies and and seeing how their place in the world, like trying to predict what their place in the world might look like not only today but tomorrow and you know, multiple years down the road. Um, and I think through that, I don't know if you think about it like this, Harris, but through that through anal- uh, analyzing these businesses and really contemplating on what works and what doesn't work about them and getting to know them and, you know, the the managers and stuff, the people that work for them. I think it teaches you so much just about the how the world works in general. I think you, there's a lot to be learned from that. And you'll notice this too, I think, from a lot of a, – a, with a lot of investors, like you look at people like Warren Buffett or Charlie Munger or even people like Bonish Pabrai, who's kind of a newer, new school version of that. Or even Ben Graham, like um, their words just go, they go beyond investing. Ray Dalio is another example. They go beyond investing. Mm -hmm. There's so much just general life philosophy that comes 
from the the mouths and the minds of those individuals. But a lot of that I think was learned and developed through their, just through being investors over, over the years and doing this deep thought and analysis and all these, these stocks and these companies. And I guess to finally arrive at a point for people like yourself and myself, I, I think that that's where the fun is. No, 100%. And there's definitely, you know, a lot of businesses and even like if I did do the ETF route, just to consolidate them all into one to just have less holdings to build them up quicker. I still like to look at the numbers and still look at them individually because it is important to know, obviously, you know, the, you have to keep up to see, are they keeping up with trends? Are they innovating? Or is it a point where it's like, it's the well-oiled machine where it's just going to keep running, but the growth is minimal. So it's always important to still keep in track of everything, even if you go through like an ETF route with like certain businesses. But I don't know. I mean, it's it's been great. And I think that sometimes making your life a little bit more easier is always good because obviously we got life, man. We got, we got family. We got work. We got all this other stuff that... To put full time into it, sometimes it can get a little hard. So just finding those corners where you can make it easier for yourself is always a good thing. Right, man. And I think kind of building off that, I think dividend investing is one of those things that can operate and grow just in the background of your life. Like you can set it up to be completely hands off and to just, you know, you're automatically contributing to it and it's automatically being invested for you and it's automatically growing. Like you don't have, if you don't want to, you don't have to lift a finger and you don't have to think give a second thought to what's going on with your investments because it's, it's just up and running by itself. And, um, you know, like I said, I, I think that it can be something that just runs in the background of your life, which I think would, would be very ideal for a lot of people who, like you said, are busy with family and work and all these other things. It's like, who wants to, who wants to spend extra time and, and possibly add more to their plate investing in or researching these companies or spending more time on the investments when it can be so hands-off and effortless yeah i think the answer that's probably you me and russ but i think a normal person a a normal person probably would not (laughs) yeah it takes a real deranged type of of individual (laughs) (laughs) no for sure so let's go off to the youtube side of it man when you started off this channel did you ever write down a list of goals or what you wanted to achieve with this channel um no, nothing concrete, I would say. Um, but there were two key drivers, I would say, that, that made me want to start my channel. Number one, first and foremost, is I, you get to a point with this like where you just know. Once it clicks, sorry, I'm mm-hmm. tripping over my words. Once it clicks and the light bulb goes on and you really kind of start to understand how this works, it's like, oh, my God. I need to get everyone doing this. I need my girlfriend, my brother, my mom, my dad, my dog, my cat. I need everyone I know to start dividend investing because it can change their life. And so I wanted to start, but actually expanding on that a little bit more. But now not a lot of people know how this works. So they're not going to start if they don't know how it works or what it's all about. And so that was one of the certainly one of the motivations for starting my channel is to just talk more about what I'm doing in the hopes that people people I care about might might watch the videos and become interested in, in it and want to start doing it for themselves as well. Um, I don't think that's really happened so far, <laughs> but it could change it. You know, if, I know that there's been people outside of my people outside of my family and friends that, that have been inspired by this, my videos. And so I, I, it's been very rewarding seeing that. Um, but uh, you know, secondly, 
I, whether it was through dividend investing or something else, like I just, I've always known that I wanted to, I guess, retire early or just not have a sort of nine to five. Like I never, like a conventional nine to five for 40 years, just, I don't know. It it doesn't, it kind of leaves a bad taste in my mouth for me personally. I know for other people it works Mm -hmm. fine. And so, you know, part of me too was hoping that maybe this could grow into something that I could do full time. And maybe who knows, like, I know there's so many other people who are making a living doing this. Maybe, maybe I could be one of those people too. And, you know, I've always kind of had these little wacky projects going on, whether it's a YouTube channel talking about dividend stocks or making rap beats or, um, or like in high school, starting a, um, a clothing company with my, my close friends, or even, even like, you know, starting other things. I've always just had these weird creative projects going on and, you know, and one I of them found a stick. <laughs> yeah, no. And I can, I, it sounds like we're, we're very similar as far as like, I guess with how our thought process would work. Um, me, um, in high school, I would DJ. And then as a senior in high school, I was still 17. I would go DJ all the college bars. No and way. Then co- come back hungover on Friday. And I went, to a, <laughs> I went, I, and it wasn't like your regular, you know, public school. I went to a Christian school. So you try going to a Friday mass in the morning and everybody knows that I'm hungover because they, everybody in school knew what I did. So that was always a fun conversation. Which then when I went to college, I then started like my own private like sound company where I just set up all these parties and stuff and it went really good, which then took, you know, I was in Puerto Rico in a small little island in the Caribbean that took me to go tell my parents at 19. I'm like, hey, I'm going to go move to Florida, go to college over there and I'm going to go figure out life. I literally went by myself, did college over there. And that's how I ended up working in the music industry through DJing, through promoting then it got into tour managing and then uh routing tours with a lot of good friends that i keep in touch with so i've always kind of been that one to do the weird projects and my parents know i was like oh he's always up to something weird but it always works out he eats and he looks like he took a shower so it, it always works out so i feel like i could definitely relate to you on that yeah man i i and i think you're what you just said is a testament to this. Everything kind of leads to the next thing. So you do one thing, you start DJing or whatever, that goes pretty well. And then that that leads you want to want to take the next step or, or do this other thing. And it just kind of snowballs, you know, and somehow or another that landed you starting this podcast talking about dividend investing. And I think, I think it's been the same for me. Like when I was in college, I, um, and outside of investing in YouTube, I'm, pretty into health and fitness and working out and stuff like that. I don't really look mm-hmm. it, but I'm super in, interested in it and have been doing it for the last like 10 years or so now, 11 years. And, um, you know, when I was in college, I, I actually didn't end up finishing, finishing college. But when I was in college, like right before I stopped going, I'd started a, I guess what would really be my first kind of entrepreneurial venture, totally small, totally illegitimate, but um, it was a fitness-based apparel company. And in doing that, I had to, I just knew I was going to have to market it on social media, which I had zero experience doing none, like nothing since MySpace back in the day, like before high school, you know, and, um, do you and remember so, you know, the top eights? Oh dude. Yeah. I was talking <laughs> to my girlfriend about this a couple of weeks ago, actually, like, 
or maybe it was my friend Bob. It was one of the two. But we were talking about like remember having to like do the coding for your profile. Like we were we were in sixth, seventh, eighth grade doing full on coding to make our MySpace pages look cool. Do you remember yes. that? Dude, I never forget the one time when I figured out how to do the coding. Because at the beginning, I was like, okay, I don't. How do people make their profile look like this? <laughs> I remember the first time I got it really cool. I had the Mortal Kombat dragon as the background and the Mortal Kombat theme song into it. And I called my mom over so proud. Look at this website I made. It's literally <laughs> so stupid. No, dude, but it was, I don't know, kind of crazy to think about. MySpace was cool, man. But anyway, what I was saying was, you know, with this first little business, I knew I was going to have to, if I wanted to build an audience from scratch, I was going to have to do it on social media. So I bit the bullet. I, I got on, it was in on Instagram, I think, primarily. And just kind of learned the ropes, learned the ins and the outs, and actually did a pretty decent job growing a, a brand through that. And that ended up um, that ended up turning into an opportunity where I was able, like, people started asking me how I did this, that, or the other to grow social media, and that turned into like a social media marketing business, which was kind of the next thing. You know, one thing led to the next, and then that let. Um, that turned into like a more legitimate job that I had prior to starting YouTube, um, where I did social media marketing full time, just was contracted through an agency that I worked with for about three years or so. And then towards the tail end of that, I was like, you know, like this isn't bad, but ultimately like, I just don't see myself doing this for the next however long. Um, and so, you know, and I was like, I want to do something for myself and I want to do something that I enjoy and not have to answer to anyone so much. And, you know, I've got this dividend investing thing going that I've been doing for seven, eight months now, which is great. But it's like, you know, that's not gonna, that's not gonna help me today or tomorrow. Like that's for 20, 30 years down the road, unless I'm just stumbling to an immense amount of money. But, um, and so I was like, I need to do something now to kind of put myself in a better situation that I think I'm going to be happy with long term. And that was kind of, arriving at the at the end of this story like that's mm -hmm. what like i said one of the motivators to starting this channel but that's like how in my mind everything leads to the next thing you do one thing you know and somehow or another that turns into something else which somehow or another turns into something else and that's just i think the natural progression of life no 100 percent. and it, it's kind of crazy how like if you go back 10 years from now it's like you probably would have never thought you'd be doing this. And the same with me, like in my, my line of work and how I ended up, you know, doing this is like, I would have never thought I'd get to this. Yeah. It kind of happens. Never, man. But at the same time, like going into this, it's like, you know, there's other people being successful at this. So, you know, it's worth a shot at least. That's kind of how I've always thought about it. You just never know. And I've told you this before. You just never know what these things can mm -hmm. turn into. And, um, you know, just I think back to, well, I think where I'm at now, like just kind of trying to make something happen with this full time, technically doing it full time, you know, it's, we'll see if it's sustainable, but man, this is so much farther along than I thought I'd be when I started doing this two years from now. And these days, not to go on too much of a tangent, but these days, man, it's, there's so many different ways to create something like this for yourself. Like you might not be interested in investing, but maybe you're, you're into skateboarding or maybe you play the guitar or maybe you are, you know, you're into knitting or graphic design. Like there's so many different ways there's something to for everybody. Exactly. There's something for everybody. And there's so many ways to, I guess, forge your own path. And uh, not only that, but build a community around what you're doing, which I think has really been one of the most rewarding things about all this, right? Is being able to talk about this stuff with people like yourself, because 
and I'm sure a lot of investors listening can relate to this, man, in our, in our own lives, I just don't, I don't, or in my life, I don't know anyone else who's interested in this stuff. I don't know anyone else physically who is a dividend investor that I can talk to about this. So it's been so cool just being able to have a, a positive, uplifting, supportive community that's kind of on the same journey. No, 100%. Luckily, I mean, you know, with, with all of this, obviously, it's not like everybody, hey, are you dividend and growth investing today? No, but as I started doing the podcast <laughs> and people start seeing, like, they'll ask me questions about business. And then instead of giving them, like, the whole, for example, oh, McDonald's sells hamburgers. And I break it down. Well, McDonald's does this. McDonald's does this. McDonald's does this. This is why they do this. Like, how do you know this stuff? It's like, this is what I do for fun. So I've gotten more people lately to be like, hey, can you like sit down to me and like explain to me like the very basics of what I should look into? And to me, whenever it's like ding, 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 like, yes, I would love to spend hours talking to you about this. <laughs> so, and but it's amazing though, man, like with yourself, I mean, you're in Vegas now, you're in a different time zone. Russ is up in Chicago, you know, luckily we're on the same time zone, but we're very different sides, very different sides in this country. And we've been able to connect like literally like if we're by the water cooler and just talking like this is normal. So that's been pretty cool. Yeah, man. And having said that, I look forward to being able to to do this in person sometime. I'm telling you, I'm going to me and the wife love Vegas. We're going to go back. (laughs) Good, man. (laughs) That'll be awesome. That'll be awesome. We got to do some sort of dividend investing meetup or something someday. For sure. And all I can see is us literally saying dividend this, uh, yield this, cash flow this. And I can see my wife and your girlfriend look at each other like, this Does your girlfriend or does your wife, excuse me, does your wife invest at all? She's not into it. No. No. She does have a a very small portfolio and she, you know, because she kind of like started like figuring out Dalvin because of me. But like for me, I'll be doing, I'll be doing the dishes and sometimes I literally would, I'm either watching like either you or anybody else. And then she hears dividends. She goes, there's you in the dividends again. <laughs> <laughs> well, kind of like my parents told me, like, you'll be thanking me someday. Like, you'll be glad I did this someday. Um, and my girlfriend, she's kind of the same, like not, not really into it. Like she won't sit down and read about, you know, Pepsi's dividend raise or anything anytime soon. But mm-hmm. she's got her portfolio on Robinhood with some VTI, some Starbucks, some Target, some um, Coca-Cola, you know, so she's doing it, um, passively, but still doing it. And I think that's, that's what's important really. Yeah, no, I mean, she, um, my wife loves Starbucks. So that's always nice. Whenever we go to Starbucks, it's like, yeah. And like, whenever we do anything and it's kind of my joke, um, like for example, uh, we were at the grocery store and she, she got into these, um, the aha, like water spritz, uh, drinks with like Mm -hmm. the favorite like drinks. And then I look at the packaging, I'm like, oh, this is a Coca-Cola product. Great job supporting my stocks, honey. And I'll say that for like everything, like Target. We go to Target. Thanks for supporting my stocks. Coca-Cola. I, I'll do that. She gets so annoyed by it. Oh, dude. But it's so cool to think about, too, that you're an owner of these these businesses. Mm-hmm. A, simil- a very similar thing happened to me the other day. Um, excuse me. Mm-hmm. I was um, I was sipping on a Paloma, which is basically a cocktail with like tequila and I think grapefruit juice. It was mm-hmm. a canned Paloma and I'm about halfway into it. And it's like, this is, I'm thinking this is a really good Paloma. Excuse me. And I'm like, what is this? And I look and it's Fresca. And Fresca is also owned by Coca-Cola. So I mm-hmm. didn't even realize it, but I'm like, when I realized that, okay, I actually own the company that makes this it's like dang that's pretty dang cool and so you know to celebrate i had another one (laughs) (laughs) hey man that that you're helping yourself give yourself a dividend raise a year from now why not 
That's right, man. That's right. So one thing I want to talk about here, and now I'm getting a little sappy, but whatever. One of my favorite things about you is obviously in this space, you know, community is a big thing. And I think in the dividend community, it's one of the strongest online communities I've seen, no matter on what social media platform. But the fact that not only did you take the time to really establish relationships with all these people watching your content here through Discord or YouTube, I don't think I've ever not seen you answer a comment on YouTube. And not only when you answer, it's not just like, oh, hey, man, thanks for listening. Appreciate the support. You always have an open-ended question and you create this dialogue. And I think that what you do and is creating this community is so, I think is so important. And that kind of leads into now what your Retire with Ryan website, which I'd love for you to kind of explain that over where you, you're, you're documenting this journey and you've created this amazing spreadsheet that you're giving it away for free where I've seen so many people in the space go, Oh, you gotta, you have to sign up on my, my Patreon. Oh, you have to pay for this. And you're giving this amazing tool that sometimes costs a hundred bucks a year for free. So I want to thank you so much for just, you know, being all about community and just seeing everybody around you be successful and grow. Oh, well, thank you, man. I appreciate that. I mean, you know, I'm sure at this point in the episode, it's no surprise to the the listeners, but I don't know everything about dividend investing. And there are people out there who've been doing this so much longer than me and who spend a lot more time researching stocks and more time with this stuff than I do. And you know, just having all of those different minds at, I don't want to say at your disposal, but being able to bounce ideas and, and talk to all these other members of the community has been invaluable for my growth as an investor. Like I've learned so much about this stuff just from having these conversations. And, um, cause you know, especially making, making this content sometimes like you're in, I don't want to say under the spotlight, but, mm-hmm. um, you know, there's, there's people who will, I guess, pick apart things you say about certain stocks. Like you can't make everyone happy. There's never like a 100% consensus on it. Consensus, excuse me, on any stock. But, um, you know, when I'm wrong, when I'm tripping, when I'm off, off base, like it's good to have the members of the community there who, who oftentimes know more about this stuff than I do, be able to, um, point me in the right direction. And, you know, at the end of the day, like I said, we, we don't, most of us don't have people that we can actually talk to about this, about this stuff. Cause it's like, not a lot of people are interested in it. It's a super niche thing um, that, you know, whether they know it or not, a lot of people are doing through their employers, 401k or, or other retirement accounts. Um, but you know, we're, we're all on the same journey here. And, you know, so having said that, why not, why not support each other in that mission to reach financial freedom and, and whatever. That's one of the good things about, about doing this, I think about this particular community is that for anyone to succeed at it, you like, it does not require stepping on anyone else's toes or, or it's not like a zero sum game, as they say, where in order Mm -hmm. for me to win, you Harris has to lose. It's like, if we both invest in Starbucks, like we both win because we're both getting the same dividend. And so, you know, we're all, it's, it's just not a competitive community by nature, I think is probably the best way to word it. No, 100%. And I feel like this is the only community that I see where somebody posts, hey, I just got five cents from this and everybody is celebrating. It's such a very different, unique kind of company. But then it's like, I got seven cents this time. It's like, wait, you got five last time. Look at the growth. And it's like, 
people are literally cheering everybody on for pennies and and but then you start seeing it's like oh it's dollars then yeah. it's like it's whole shares and then it's like holy crap you're making five uh, five digits a year just by holding these companies and it becomes this crazy snowball yeah man and i think you know i think more than anything I think more than anything, I'm I'm just happy when those when I see those comments or those emails or those messages wherever they come that like someone I just got my first dividend or I just reached oh I just reached a hundred dollars a month in in dividends reach you know certain milestones whatever they are I think most importantly it's it's been cool to see people start their portfolios or do take this sort of action doing something that. How do I say this? Because I'm kind of tripping over my words. I think the coolest thing about doing all of this is seeing those messages and knowing that because of something that you said in a podcast or something that I said in a video or in an email, that okay. someone is making the decision to start investing. Um, and because of something we've, we've said or we've done to inspire them to do so, they've, they've started to do something that they're going to be doing for the, for the rest of their lives. Like, they started something that's going to bring so much positivity and it's going to be so life-changing for them someday um, just from from something we've done we've done here. Mm-hmm. No, 100%. And before I go to the last question on this episode, I just want to give a quick shout-out here. So for anybody watching, on the bottom of the description of this video, I'm going to leave a website, um, the link to Ryan's website, which is called Retire at Ryan. Not only can you sign up for a really amazing newsletter that he sends out weekly, if you put your email in, you get free access to his dividend tracker. And honestly, it's an amazing tool. It connects to your 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 Google spreadsheets. And it literally can calculate for you based off the data you put in, your daily income, your weekly income, your monthly income, your yearly income. It keeps track of your portfolio. If it's something that you are interested in, I would 100% recommend you check out the link below for that. Yeah, and this is one of those things that I just... I just made for myself back in the day when I started doing mm-hmm. this to help myself visualize my portfolio, see how well it's diversified, keep track of all my holdings and income. And then, you know, why not, why not give it away to the community? It's like, it's been helpful for me. And, um, you know, so might as my, might as well give it away for free in hindsight, I might've been able to make, make more income, not giving it away for free, but I'm so, I'm so happy to see other people using this thing and, and that it helps them you know, keep track of their portfolio. Yeah, no, 100%. So non-stock question. And we've been kind of going back and forth on this for like random conversation. I feel like we've had a lot of talk about like old Sega games with us talking about, I think you had posted a video of, um, is it, is it some 41 that you had posted that we talked about? It might've been blink 182. No, it wasn't blink. It was, um, it was, um, it was some 41 where you play that. Yeah. Oh yeah. no, the and offspring, like, the, the offspring, offspring the, the offspring, and then we started talking about. Do you remember Crazy Taxi? And then we went on this thing <laughs> talking about Crazy Taxi, and then like Sonic Hero, uh, Sonic Adventure Two. Uh-huh. So tell me, do you still play any video games? And if you don't, it's fine. I understand. Uh, back in the day, what were some classic games or like games that really were part of your everyday? Oh, dude. Well, so starting with that first question, no, I'm not. I'm not currently a gamer. Um, I haven't. The last platform that I bought was the Xbox 360. Um, so I'm a little bit behind <laughs> and I told myself, I probably, I won't be getting a new console until the new Grand Theft Auto comes out. And that kind of segues to the second question, like Grand Theft Autos, it's just always been like my favorite game. I love that sandbox style game. 
Um, mm-hmm. I just love being able to kind of just do what you want in this made-up world. It's just fun. Um, but some other games that I grew up playing religiously were like Halo. Played so much Halo. I was not a big like Call of Duty guy. I played I more more than anything. I played it for Nazi zombies. Um, Nazi zombies is the most fun I ever had <laughs> doing four. When you get four friends to do it, and then you all like know we got to get to this room by this round. We need all the power ups, and then we're just gonna go into it. That was mm-hmm. so much fun. But then, kind of how we talk about. Um, you know, like that version of Nazi zombies and it's like really easy, but then they started making it way too complicated. It's like, I can't keep up with this. I'm dead by round two already. They made it way too complicated. I know, man. Like I uh, even just, um, I think World at War was the first. Um, it was the first one that had it. Yeah. And even just that map, I can still picture it. Um, yeah. It's like, that's all I needed, man. Like I remember in, in games that came after that, they came out with new um I guess maps for Nazi zombies and I don't know. Some oh, yeah. of them were okay, but I was a f- just a fan of the classic. No, they were really they were really cool maps, but then the problem is is that there were so many Easter eggs that mm-hmm. you had to like figure out randomly and then if you didn't figure those out, you're going to die quickly. So that's where it's like, "Oh, come on. Why can't you just make it very simple? Get the power up, get the ray gun, <laughs> that's it." You know. Oh, dude, the ray gun. That's that's all you needed, man. It was like in Halo, just get the mm-hmm. get the energy sword. Um and dude, you're you're pretty op there um and that's another thing too the halo i think it was halo 2 maps um for multiplayer i just remember those being so cool i don't remember what the Mm -hmm. one was called but it was it was like um i i remember it being like very blue and like cool colors like that and oh gosh there was the elevator on both sides that would teleport you up to the next level do you know what i'm talking about so for Halo 2, I didn't get into it until way later, but for me, Halo 3 was the one that got me into Halo, and I went very deep into it. Yeah. But I think I remember Halo 2, what you're talking about. I just can't remember the name of the map. If, if you're talking about Halo, Halo 3, though, I can probably name every single map still. Yeah, man. And then some other games that I really, oh, man, played religiously. All the Tony Hawk games just... All those pro skater games and even Tony Hawk's Underground to American Wasteland. All of them, man. I just loved them. Um, all the way up until Tony Hawk's Project 8. Then after that, I kind of kind of fell off. Yeah. What else, though, was there, man? What's oh. pretty funny, though, you're mentioning Tony Hawk. You know that I actually just bought that. I bought that yesterday when I went to start doing Christmas shopping for myself. Would you so, buy? So I have a Switch, and I still play it. Um, they had the Tony Hawk 1 and 2 remake for uh-huh. like 25 bucks. I'm like, need it. Dude. And not only that, the soundtrack on those were so amazing. And you're early on, you start hearing all these songs, and that helped me find a lot of good punk bands and a lot mm-hmm. of really spread out my musical taste really young way. So that's why I always love doing Tony Hawk. I uh, like playing yeah. games that don't require a lot of thinking now because I'm not, I can't get into the hard games. I just need something just to pass the time. Exactly, man. Something that's um, you know just kind of mindless escapism, nothing too in depth. I totally get that. One other game that I I really played a lot was um, the NBA Street games. Do you remember those? Dude, those games were so much fun, and I wish they brought those back. Oh, I know. Because you had not only, like, the actual NBA players in there, but you had, like, the – where, like, the two uh, NBA – I mean, EA Sports made, like, these fictitious characters, and they were so really good. Yeah, man. It was the EA Sports big. Do you remember that? That was, like, their – yeah. And they also also did um, it for NFL – NFL, yeah. I didn't like that one as much. They also, the other game that they had was SSX. 
Do you oh, remember those? Oh, yeah. The snowboarding game. Mm-hmm. Those are classic games. There was this one game um, for 360 that was uh, called Amped 3. I didn't play I know one Amped. or two, but Amped 3 specifically was like, mm-hmm. yeah, I spent hours playing that game. Um, and that, how speaking of soundtracks, that had a really good soundtrack too. Like, And I know you'll know these bands. There was a lot of, um, like, Under Oath was on there. Mm-hmm. on the soundtrack they had do you know hello goodbye yes yeah they were on there um oh man a lot of those type of bands a lot of the pop punk bands and some of the i guess a lot of the bands mm-hmm. that we would have grown up with but to your point about tony hawk like the soundtrack man i'll still like at times if i ever go back and revisit those games their songs that i didn't know playing like it playing it as a kid i didn't know them whatever but then going back listening to them uh, or playing and hearing those songs later, it's like, oh, I didn't even know the song was on here. I listen to the song all the time. One of those, an example of that, I don't know if you know this song, is uh, Nas. Do you know the rapper Nas? Yes. The World Is Yours. Do you know that song? I don't know that specific song. Okay, it's on Tony Hawk's Underground. It's The World Is Yours. Sure. It's mine, it's mine, it's mine. Whose world is this? But um, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. But no, yeah. that definitely threw me back onto there. But wow. yeah, man. <laughs> Dude, to whoever whoever made the soundtrack for Tony Hawk, genius. I know, man. And it was inspired yeah. by a, just a lot of the stuff they were listening to, you know? And um, I remember the Tony Hawk's Underground 2 soundtrack was kind of all over the place. It had, mm-hmm. it had Ring of Fire by Johnny Cash. It had That's Life by Frank Sinatra. It had... Um, that's why they called it a union by less than Jake. Do you know less than Jake? <laughs> I do. I know less than Jake. Yeah. Good Florida boys for you. Um, yes. I think they're from Florida. Yeah. Gainesville. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Um, we, they, they play, I used to live in Orlando. They used to play around there all the time. Okay. Yeah, man. That whole album, the, I think it's the brightest bulb has burned out or something like that. Great album. A, lo- a handful of songs from that album are on the soundtrack, but yeah, man, that's bringing back some nostalgia for sure. I, I know. And I'll close it out with this. So I'm a big, the arcade culture from like the nineties and like through the thousands are like really important to me. Did you ever remember going to the arcade and playing the Sega game house of the dead? No, it was a zombie shooter game. You remember that? I don't remember it. If you look at the machine, if you look it up on Google, you'll probably remember it. So Sega, that was like one of the big arcade games back in the time. Um, the they just remade the first one and remastered it for the Switch, and I'm dying to get that game to relive it entirely. Oh, I do remember this one. So this is the one you would you would shoot the zombies, and then the camera would kind of swing you around a corner. It would like move yes. forward. For yep, I do remember this one. Um, they just remade the they remade the first one for the Switch, and it was like updated graphics, updated everything. And I can't. I just need to do that for the nostalgia factor. Do you remember Dance Dance Revolution? I could do it. Um, heavy setting times two speed i was yeah. one of those i was one nice, of those man that's crazy okay so mm-hmm. i i was obsessed with that game bought it for my house and my mm-hmm. my neighbors and i we always used mm-hmm. to play together and we would play that game not with the pads because you could buy the dance pads right i had we would just we could we would just do it with the controller which is kind of cheating but man hours playing that game freaking uh, captain jack Oh, I mean, I doing Captain Jack on the actual pad and the art. That's the song. It takes every wind out of you because it's such a fast song. Dream a, a dream. You can take me in your dream. Yep. There's that. And there was the, the butterfly song. Uh-huh. Oh, um, Sandstorm, right? Sandstorm was one of them. There's so many of them. 
Um, there was a oh, man. You're throwing me really back with yours. <laughs> metal you know Slug too, man. Metal Slug's Me- another one. I love Metal Slug. Those are like those side scroller beat em up games are amazing. Mm-hmm. Oh man, you're throwing me back here, and it's kind of good to kind of reminisce on all those things. It is. Anyways, man. everybody here. Um, this is to me. It's, this is such a fun episode to do. Doing it with a person who not only now I get to call a friend, but somebody I looked up to in this space. Ryan, I appreciate you joining the podcast here. I'll let you give up some closing thoughts here. Oh well, man, I I so much appreciate you having me on. This is this was fun. Like we we chatted today, and we've been we've been doing more of these lately, and it's just been fun being able to to hang out with you, man. And I look forward to hopefully being back on sometime soon and doing it all over again. I think honestly, I think we could do this for three hours. No problem. <laughs> I know. I bet you the algorithms don't people will be like, I don't want to listen to this for three hours, but we're definitely <laughs> going to figure that out next year. We're going to make it a goal where we do like, you know, obviously you have your dividend happy hour. We get to drink. We're going to do the same concept of that have some drinks, but we got to throw Russ on to this. Cause that, if you think that's three hours, that's probably an eight hour conversation probably waiting to happen. <laughs> I know, man. And then we got to take it one step further and do it in person. Yes. So I'm all for it. Uh, IRL, URL, let's let's just make it happen. Absolutely. Anyways, Ryan, thank you so much for taking the time to be on the podcast here. And as always, make sure everybody go check out his website. Go check out his YouTube channel. Amazing content. And that's all you got to do. So, Ryan, again, thanks so much. Thank you, man. And thank you to everyone who's still listening for putting up with my gibberish this last 58 minutes. (laughs) (laughs) Later. Later, man.